0: on The Voice of America.
1: Stand up! Stand up! Stand up!
2: Stand up! Friends, we can all
3: listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on The Voice of America. Voice of America! Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the June 29th edition of the sunny side of sports there's a lot of excitement in denmark's capital copenhagen which will host the opening stage of cycling's greatest event the tour de france on friday now copenhagen was going to be the tour de france starting venue in 2021 but it was moved to Brest, France, because of a COVID-related scheduling conflict with the European Football Championship. As Tour de France race director Christian Prudholm explains, Copenhagen is the most northern city to stage the
4: start. It's very far from France because it's really very far from France and it's the most northern Grand Départ ever. But I think Denmark deserves it. Why? Because all the population is on this bike, uh, or bike, uh, because you love the tour, uh, and there are so many viewers on TV too. Because you have more and more very talented riders, men and women. Uh, because Kasper Asgreen won the Tour of Flanders. Because Mats Pedersen was world champion. Because Jonas gore was second last year on the tour. Um, and and all these things made we are here now, and I'm very happy and very proud. <laughs> Copenhagen
3: residents are very happy and very proud the Tour de France is starting in what's been described as the greatest cycling nation in the world. Cycling paths have been painted yellow in Copenhagen. Knitting enthusiasts have made a giant yellow jersey And a flotilla of boats are planning to fly yellow flags. The mayor of Copenhagen, Sophie Hastorp Andersen, says her city is gearing up for a big yellow party where everyone's invited.
0: My hope is that when uh, Tour de France, when they leave, they have seen uh, a Copenhagen that is uh, yellow, that is uh, happy, that is uh, inviting people in not only for professional cyclists, but also for everyday cyclists. And we hope to inspire the rest of the world and to, to go more in this direction because it's a carbon-neutral way of living and it's also a healthy way of living.
3: The Tour de France will begin on Friday with a 13-kilometer individual time trial in Copenhagen. There will be stages on Saturday and Sunday in Denmark, and then a rest day on Monday, before the tour moves to Dunkirk in France. The 109th edition of the Tour de France is scheduled to end on July 24th in Paris. The 23-year-old Slovenian rider, Tadej Pogacar, is bidding for his third consecutive overall title in the Tour de France. Meanwhile, the Tour du Rwanda was held in February in the African country, in this sunny side of sports highlight for 2022, let's listen in again to this report from Ejen Uimana in Kigali, Rwanda.
1: Let's give a sunny side of sports salute to 22-year-old Eritrean cyclist, Nathanael Testefazian. For a second time, he's the overall winner of the Tour de Rwanda after covering more than 913 kilometers in 23 hours, 25 minutes, and 34 seconds. Testefazion competes for the Italian team Drone Hopper. He said his experience climbing high lace sections ...of the 8th stage course helped him a lot. I'm really
0: happy and thank you to
4: all my teammates... ...and uh, all my fans and my family...
5: Uh, ...also for uh, Rwanda. I feel good and uh, I keep the jersey. Yeah, because uh, I know this climb 2020... I, ...I climbed this three times this climb.
1: Meanwhile, Rwandan rider Moise Mujisha... ...won Sunday's 8th and final stage. He competes for the South African Team Pool Touch... And he clocked two hours, eight minutes and 16 seconds for the 75-kilometer distance. The Tour de Rwanda began February 20th. The Ukrainian Anatoly Budyak posted an emotional win in stage six as his victory occurred amid the Russian invasion of his country. Nicolas Belomo, the European ambassador to Rwanda, comments:
5: The fact that the Ukrainian uh, cyclist won this uh, uh, stage, I think, brings some hope. And we really hope that, uh, you know, peace will prevail. We, we sincerely uh, hope that this event will also play a role. And we really congratulate this Ukrainian uh, cyclist, And I hope that uh, it will bring uh, at least a, a moment of uh, joy in a very difficult time.
1: There was a moment of joy for the South African cyclist Kent Main, who won stage four in the three hours, 17 minutes and 40 seconds. The Tour de Rwanda was upgraded a- in 2019 to a category of 2.1 event by the Union Cycliste Internationale. The Rwandan government says the cycling race has attracted more than two million spectators, and the restrictions that had been imposed due to COVID-19 were relaxed, and fans were allowed on the street. Yeah, 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 yeah. One indicator of the growing nature of the 2022 Tour de Rwanda: 94 cyclists started. And only 65 finished. For the sunny side of sports, I am egene Uimana in Jigali, Rwanda.
3: Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to The Sunny Side of Sports on The Voice of America. Follow The Sunny Side of Sports on Facebook and Twitter. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash sunny, and my Twitter handle is at VOASunnySports. Also, please note, we've moved our programs to VOAAfrica.com. There you'll find your favorite VOA TV and radio shows, including the sunny side of sports, and a whole lot more. Find us on VOAAfrica.com.
6: Centennial Centre Court
3: welcomes Serena Williams for a 21st visit to Wimbledon mm-hmm. Greatest female player of all time in a real battle here She's done Centre Court rises as one Has
5: there ever been a first round match
3: at Wimbledon what a remarkable win for Harmony Tan she's beaten a legend in a first round match that lasted more than three hours Tuesday French player Harmony Tan spoiled the Wimbledon return of Serena Williams beating the American star in three sets Final score from Wimbledon, 7-5, 1-6, and 7-6. Now, this was the first singles match for the 40-year-old Williams since she exited last year's Wimbledon in the first round with a leg injury. At the post-match news conference, Serena was asked if the loss to Tan was her final singles match at Wimbledon. Um, that's,
1: that's a, that's a question I can't answer. Like, I don't know. I feel like, um, you know, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows where I'll pop up.
3: For her part. Harmony Tan had words of praise for Serena Williams at the post-match news conference.
7: She's a legend. I mean, she, she, she won 23 Grand Slam, and uh, when you played her, she I was scared. I mean, I was scared when I was on the court, but, uh, but really happy to be there.
3: Elsewhere at Wimbledon Tuesday, the top seed among the women... World number one Iga Świątek of Poland extended her winning streak to 36 with a 6-love, six 6-3 six victory over Croatian qualifier Jana Fett.
6: Game okay, so the top seed,
8: safely through her opening match. All the tradition that is here is really pumping me up, so I'm really motivated to play here well, and I'm just looking forward to the next matches and to seeing how I'm going to play here.
3: Iga Swiatek's 36 victories in a row is the longest winning streak on the women's tour since 1997, when Martina Hingis won 37 straight. Earlier this month, Swiatek won her second French Open trophy. And the man who won his record 14th French Open title earlier this month, Rafael Nadal, also won his opening Wimbledon match Tuesday, when he beat Argentina's Francisco Sarandolo in four sets. After his victory, Rafa said there were some challenging weather conditions.
4: I'm very windy out there. Honestly, have been haven't been easy to play. But, um, you know, uh, I was uh, more or less under control uh, with two sets and one break-up. But then... I. Uh, uh, the, being honest, the, the sun was crazy there, and for a le- for a righty probably is not man, <laughs> is not a problem. But for a lefty, uh, where the sun is, uh, especially when I am ser- serving from the right side of the uh, uh, umpire, it was so tough because I, it was difficult for me to to find the spot uh, after the the serve. I was losing the ball completely and uh and yeah uh, he played well honestly no he played at very high level for such a, lo- a long time he puts pressure uh, playing aggressive from both sides and for me uh, i said the day before the tournament to starts, no every victory uh, helps and uh, today was <laughs> a victory and i spent uh, a long time on court uh, and i really hope that that will helps uh I think, as I said before, I think I I need to keep improving uh, things. But at the end of the match, I improved. Uh, And uh, at the most critical moment, I think I I raised my level. And that's a a very positive thing. So uh, let's keep going. Uh, Good practice tomorrow and uh, be ready for for Ricardas in the second round. day by day uh be humble enough to accept the the challenge uh, and accept that the, the situation will not be perfect uh <laughs> for the moment but uh with the things i have uh I need to to find a way to to keep going because uh every day that I am able to to survive uh there there are much bigger chance that I start playing at much higher level. That Spanish
3: tennis star, Rafael Nadal, who has played at a very high level over the years. Rafa is bidding for a record extending 23rd major title at Wimbledon. No man has ever won more in professional tennis. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington And you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Hello, I'm Carol Castiel, host
0: of Press Conference USA, VOA's newsmaker interview program. Join us each Saturday and Sunday when we talk with authors, analysts, and policymakers who provide fresh insight on topics ranging from U.S. politics and foreign policy to science, culture, and global health. You can listen to Press Conference USA on the radio or online at voanews.com slash PCUSA. While you're visiting our website, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We'd also love to hear from you. Just send an email to PCUSA at voanews.com or connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash carolcastielvoa or on Twitter at carolcastielvoa. That's Press Conference USA every Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of
3: America. Thanks, Carol. Now let's go to the U.S. state of Illinois, where the John Deere Classic Golf Tournament tees off on Thursday. George McNeely reports... A 46-year-old American star is one of the golfers who will be contending for the title.
6: Two-time major winner Zach Johnson knows his way around TPC Deer Run. He won the John Deere Classic 10 summers ago. This place can have teeth. It's just, you know, we're in the middle of summer when the wind
5: drops a lot and and the humidity comes up and the ball goes a lot further, and it's just it becomes a little bit easier, especially with all these guys in the field. So if i got to push the accelerator, I'll do it. Um, I know you got to be somewhat aggressive and make some birdies out here, but that's fine.
6: Fine with Chicago's Nick Hardy, who returns as a card-carrying member of the PGA Tour. I'm just excited to be
3: back here. This is my favorite event of the year for me. Um, Claire giving me two two spots here um, as a senior at, at Illinois, and then as my year out, you know first year out. I mean, it means the world to me, and I gained a lot of good experience from playing those two events.
6: Hardy referring to Claire Peterson, who's running his final John Deere Classic after serving as tournament director for the last 20 years.
5: We've been opposite the British Open, we've been opposite the Olympics, we've been opposite the Ryder Cup, and we've been opposite the President's Cup. Um, So our history is not always to have, you know, uh, the top ten players in the world here. That said, we've always succeeded. It's a big deal in the community.
6: This is a community that has received over $146 million in charitable donations from this 51-year-old event. Most of that money coming since Deer & Company took over as the title sponsor and placed Peterson at the helm. It's
5: magic, oh, it's, what's going on here, and it's uh, layered, you know, with the Staff being the the first and and most important layer, but everything underneath there, all of our board and our volunteer chairs and sponsors and everything else.
6: Innovative, mentoring, and possessing all the attributes of a leader who's defined the marketplace, a sentiment echoed by his protege, Andrew Lehman. He sure does, and I think you just just described Claire to a T. Um, He's one of the most humble,
5: hardworking guys that I know.
6: The thoughtful words of Andrew Lehman, who's Claire Peterson's hand-picked successor, working on behalf of the signature event of the Quad Cities going forward. From the John Deere Classic, I'm George McNeely in Silvis, Illinois. Thanks, George.
0: or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Ah! Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000
2: UTC. Spoily greetings. This is Chukwe Bukane Nekuchi, Nigerian shot put record holder, Commonwealth silver medalist, African Games and African Championships gold medalist. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on the Voice of America.
3: The Nigerian shot put record holder spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye about his training ahead of the world championship and the Commonwealth Games.
2: I'm still under very heavy training because of those two competitions, so I'm expecting that when I pull back from the heavy load that the marks will go even farther. Um, I want to make the final in both competitions and do as best I can. Are you
7: as scared or afraid of the big names you're going to meet in those competitions or trial in the event?
2: No, you don't get too concerned about the big names, especially, I feel like I'm one of the big names anyway, so I'll be among my peers when I'm, I'm duking it out with them.
7: What has, been, what has it been like for you all these years in the shot put and in the... What has it been like for you all these years taking part in representing Nigeria and Africa?
2: I think it's been great. Um, Even before my junior year of university, I didn't consider myself as a shot put. I was throwing the hammer, and um, I threw the hammer 72 meters, 77. So I thought I'd have a future doing that. But as a senior, I switched my focus over to shot put, and I was throwing 20 meters, then 20, 50, then 21 meters, then almost 22 meters. So um, it's been a pleasant surprise, and I've been grateful that I'm improving and getting more and more consistent at a high level over the years.
7: Talking about your kind of event, that's hammer and shot put. How many of such, how many of do we have in Nigeria? How many of do we have? Many of you people who are also into the hammer and shot put events in Nigeria.
2: It's hard to say. Um, the focus on um, athletics is not quite as big as it is in America, so it's difficult to say how many. Potential, you know, high-level throwers there are in Nigeria, but I think the talent is there. We just need to cultivate it from from the home base.
7: What would be your advice to the Athletics Federation of Nigeria, and then you know, to the various sporting organizations and bodies on how to produce more shot put throwers in Nigeria?
2: I think, um, and they already know all these things, but coaching is a, a huge thing. Mentorship for the the grassroots level and funding so maybe local teams local clubs and things like that will bolster the opportunities for the the younger athletes and the up and comers to be able to compete at a high level maybe athletics competitions where there's some prize money that will entice them to come out and try their best
7: what is it like for you in the US competing you know in the collegiate and in other competitions there in other events athletic events what is it like
2: Uh, it's highly competitive so you always find yourself among people that can pull the best out of you maybe on an off day surpass you so it make iron sharpens iron and you're always in a tough situation and that brings the best out of you
7: what would be your message to the numerous fans friends and people who like to be like chukweboka in nigeria and all over africa
2: and who also want to go into the game like you so first of all, thank you because I feel the support both from foreign base and home base and abroad. Other countries, uh, people recognize me. They always give me their well wishes and best of luck, and I really appreciate that. And the older I get, the more I notice the the goodwill that's you know present within the sport. My advice is continue going because you never know where you'll be in two years. You never know where you'll be in three years, but. The only way that you can see your potential is if you stay within the game. So give yourself time. Don't quit, even if it's difficult. And anything can
3: happen. That's Chuk and Ikwechi, the reigning African champion in the men's shot put. And he spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye in Benin City, Nigeria. And check out the Sunny Side of Sports Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash sunny. You'll see a photo of Chook and Iron Mike flexing their big muscles in Benin City. This is Sunny Side of Sports right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Organizers of this year's FIFA World Cup football tournament say there's record-breaking demand for tickets. Joining us with more details is my VOA colleague, Gwen Uden. Sporty greetings, Gwen.
8: Sporty greetings, Sunny. Doha is the capital of Qatar and the country's largest city with a population of about 2.4 million people. And now the site of the 2022 FIFA World Cup is bracing for a huge influx of ticket holders for the upcoming tournament. Organizers say $1.2 Tickets, nearly half of its population, have already been sold. Hassan Althawadi is the chairman of this year's World Cup.
5: In terms of demand, to start off with, I think it's it's record breaking demand. I think the last phase we had about 27 million requests for uh, about 2 million uh, tickets available. I think about 1.2 million tickets have already been. Uh, purchased. So people are actually buying and people are excited to come. Uh, th- there's no doubts about that.
8: The upcoming tournament will be a major economic windfall for the country and for the local business community. And Al Thawadi admits it will be hard to stop those businesses from so-called price gouging or taking advantage of visitors and customers by raising prices.
5: I think we're now in operational phase. So in the operational phase, obviously, there's a lot of different elements. One of them, of course, is accommodation, ensuring that the itinerary relevant for the accommodation is in play uh, ahead of time, and trying to manage as much as possible um, uh, or avoid price gouging. I mean, obviously, you know, market market forces always uh, mean that as, as, as long as there's a lot of demand, prices skyrocket, and we've seen it in many previous tournaments. We're trying to create an environment where the business community benefits, but at the same time, it is affordable and accessible for the fans as well. So to try to create that environment, that balance, sometimes is tricky.
8: Qatar Tourism estimates there are fewer than 30,000 hotels in the Gulf Arab state. World Cup organizers say 80% of those rooms will be allocated to guests of FIFA throughout the tournament. Al Thawadi directly addressed concerns about the cost and availability of hotel accommodations.
5: Uh, in terms of availability, we've tried to ensure that we provide different offerings on different categories. So from the affordable which ranges about, you know, from $80 to $100 a night. A bit more of the pricier ones, whether we're looking in terms of, you know, five-star hotels or even some of the luxury offerings in terms of cruise ships. So we're trying to create a wide range that, that caters for everybody.
8: Another area of concern leading up to this year's World Cup tournament has been the issue of workers' rights. Last year, The Guardian published a report that revealed more than 6,500 migrant workers from South Asia and sub-Saharan Africa have died in the decades since Qatar was awarded hosting rights. And many of those deaths are directly linked to the construction of sites at World Cup stadiums. FIFA has been called on to do more to protect migrant workers who are exposed to forced labor, unpaid wages, and excessive working hours in Qatar. Most recently, the business community in Qatar has committed to reimburse millions of dollars to workers who paid recruitment fees to secure their employment. FIFA President Gianni Infantino has maintained human rights protections are a top priority for FIFA and that the governing body has helped give migrant workers, quote, dignity and pride despite allegations of human rights abuses. Infantino reiterated his stance at the Qatar Economic Forum and highlighted the country's progress in the area of human rights. He also emphasized that Qatar is ready to host the 2022 World Cup tournament and that all will be welcome.
7: We've received the necessary guarantees. We are training all the officials. Um, we are working hand-in-hand hand with, uh, with the government, with the police authorities. Everyone will be welcome. If Qatar didn't want to welcome everyone, they wouldn't have organized. Uh, the World Cup where you welcome uh,
4: the entire world.
8: And if you want to secure a ticket... The next opportunity to purchase one will be on a first-come, first-served basis on a date that has yet to be announced. This year's tournament will make history as the first to take place in the Middle East and the first to be held at the end of the calendar year. The 2022 FIFA World Cup is set to kick off on November 21st in Qatar. And that is all from me, Sonny.
3: Back over to you. Thanks, Gwen. That's my VOA colleague, Gwen Ooten. And just a reminder for our sunny side of sports listeners: the five African teams that qualified for this year's FIFA World Cup football tournament are Cameroon, Ghana, Morocco, Tunisia, and reigning African champion Senegal. The Lions of Taranga of Senegal will be in action on the opening day of the World Cup. They'll play the Netherlands on November 21st in Doha. That should be a cracker. The Dutch going up against the Senegalese. Taking a quick look at the other World Cup openers involving African teams, the Carthage Eagles of Tunisia. Will take on Denmark November 22nd. The Atlas Lions of Morocco will meet Croatia November 23rd. The Indomitable Lions of Cameroon will play Switzerland on November 24th. And the Black Stars of Ghana will go against Portugal also on November 24th. World Cup fever! Catch it! And that wraps up the June 29th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. I get it. And that's the sunny side of sport.